2: Today, we're going to discuss the value of video creation. Joining us is Daniel Glickman, who is the CMO of Wave.Video, which is an innovative video marketing solution for creators and small businesses, allowing entrepreneurs to easily create and repurpose video content without needing huge budgets for cameras and production crews. Yesterday, Daniel and I talked about generating sales through video marketing, and today we're going to focus more on improving B2B video effectiveness. Okay, here's the second part of my conversation with Daniel Glickman, CMO of Wave.Video. Daniel, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
1: Thank you, Ben. Glad to be here again.
2: Excited to have you back on the show. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about video and how you can have different types of production with different costs associated, but there are ways to repurpose your video to make it effective in multiple channels, whether that's long format to short format, whether it's video to audio to text, you could really repurpose videos and that helps offset some of the higher costs for your video production. When you're in a B2B business and you're not using your product shots, right? You're not just showing product info and educating people how to use your products or services, but you're really in a longer sales cycle. Tell me some of the ways where video
1: can be effective. So there are multiple ways, and it's going to be too long of a discussion to fit it into this show, but let's start with the front end side of things. That has to do with social selling. So if you're a salesperson or a marketer in a B2B company, nowadays, there's no question about it, people want to see the people in the company. They want that connection. You're personally connected to them. What's more, if you are not friends, technically friends with them on the social platforms, Your reach is almost zero, so you have to spend money. So in order to get reach to them, get your content out in front of them, and ideally video, which gets more engagement and more reach, you have to actually friend them. So you have to connect with them. So if you're in a, say, in a Facebook group, you're not going to get as much reach as much as if you're in a Facebook group with your friends. So friend them. Same with LinkedIn, which means you have to have your own content and your own brand to be able to connect, to bring it in front of them. So you have to generate your own content, which is relevant to them, and somehow connects them to the company you work for, to the brand, right? You're the bridge.
2: There's an interesting change in the employee-employer relationship here, where employee advocacy is becoming more of a known quantity in a marketing channel. And so now employers are not only interested in how capable you are as a marketing operator, as a strategist, as an executive. It's also, who do you know? It used to be what Rolodex are you bringing with you? Now nobody has a Rolodex for anybody under 35 years old. That was a collection of business cards and pieces of paper with phone numbers written on it. Talk to me a little bit about the video content and how B2B brands are able to use social selling and advocacy without actually crossing the line and getting too much into their employees' business.
1: That line has long been blurred and it can be sometimes problematic, but essentially, we're all influencers. So we're not just salespeople or marketers, we're influencers. We each have our own little brand and we each have some topic we specialize in that we present. I, for example, am a specialist in video marketing and video marketing strategy. I'm here as Daniel, but I also work for Wave.video. So through sharing my knowledge here, I'm able to connect that to the company I work for, to wave.video, but I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have a bit of a name and a bit of expertise that I have to share, right? It's not enough for me to be a CMO and to know how to lead a marketing team. I also have to be a specialist in something that relates to the company I work for. So I produce content of my own.
2: So social selling is an important aspect. Using employee advocacy is another way to make your B2B marketing more effective. You also talked about the idea of personalization. It seems like there is more of a trend in marketing to have the people running the team present the content as opposed to the organization present the content. For example... Let's say I was still working at eBay where I worked, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. If I were launching a product, it wouldn't necessarily be eBay saying, hey, we're launching this tool. It'd be Benjamin Shapiro saying, I'm the project manager for this tool. I work for eBay and we're launching it together. Talk to me about the difference between brands creating content and employees creating content.
1: It can be very complicated sometimes to manage that process. However, in a small organization... It's all about simply finding those employees that are willing to do it and empowering them and telling them it's okay, and letting them do it in their own flavor, in their own way, understanding that they have something unique to contribute and other things they don't have to contribute, and they let others fill in that gap. So the kind of activities they can do are live shows, different cool videos or educational videos. They can repurpose a lot of these. We talked about repurposing in our last episode where you can take these live shows and put them into recordings or make short snippets out of them. So there are many different kinds of activities you can do. And you can even just do simple things like go live on Instagram or do quick Instagram stories saying, look, hey, I'm here on the factory floor and I just saw some, I learned something really interesting about how we manufacture our product. I wanted to show you this. I'm not a specialist at it. And I wanted to share something in the company that I see inside a company or something I'm learning about our company. So, the more that can be done, the better. And just giving the message that it's encouraged, that it's healthy, and that if they do something that's not okay, quote unquote, right, it's forgivable. I think the biggest concern employees have is what if I don't do this right? What if I say something that the brand or the management doesn't like? Well, guess what? They have the power let them do it their way, but they shouldn't badmouth or say something really negative or hurtful. So for example, there was a case now that an Amazon employee, a driver, actually made a kind of a funny video about, I mean, he was clearly disgruntled with his job. He didn't like it. Nothing to do with the company itself, perhaps. He just didn't like his job. And he was looking at the different packages in his truck and analyzing them and say say, why are these people buying so many stuff? Look at this thing they just bought. And he was like making fun of it and he got fired for it because that's just malicious. You know, that's not helpful either to the customer, or not to the not to the company. But if you would have tried to do something that's just trying to be humorous, trying to be positive, and it just didn't really work out well, then that should be forgiven. It should be like, oh, nice try. We're like, can we help you like steer you in the right direction?
2: It's definitely a nuanced topic, having employees be your content creator from their personal accounts. One of the things that you mentioned, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it, is not all video is pre-recorded, right? We're seeing a rise in live casts, webinars. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutnex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. MuteNex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost effective. Request a demo at MuteNex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. Talk to me about the purpose in B2B. It seems like most video is actually used more for retention than customer acquisition. Where do webinars and live videos come into play today?
1: Webinars are still a major tactic that B2B companies use. They're not seen as favorably as they used to, They're kind of white papers, ebooks, webinars. are a bit old fashioned, but they still work. Live shows are very similar, but they're much more casual and they tend to be open to the public. So that's the difference. Webinars behind the lead capture, like I need to capture information and you can come on my webinar, it's a bit more exclusive. And a live show tends to be open and inclusive, anybody can join. And I generate the lead after or through that live show. And that's the main difference. So live shows can be great for B2B because they're not as common. And if you can show something that's relevant and a little more in a casual and humorous way, it's more inclusive in a sense like maybe I'm not completely ready to commit to a webinar right now. I don't want to be sold to, but I am interested in what your company is doing. I want to know more about it. I want to know a little bit about more about the topic because I'm still at the research phase. I just don't want to know all about your product. I want to know about what it does. So that's where live shows really come into play nicely. They're also great for existing customers because they are a great way to invest back and give attention back to your customers. So you can put a some kind of group or some kind of open hour where you can answer questions of customers and engage with them again. Maybe not directly about your product, maybe just about the stuff they're going through. So in the B2B space, maybe it's about, you know, if you are an email marketing platform, you can have a live engagement with your customers every week about email marketing. Not necessarily about how to use my platform, but about email marketing in general. People have questions and people could join in and help each other out. You can bring experts to help you out and so on.
2: Yeah, I think that there's an interesting nuance between using a webinar and having email capture, and obviously you're going to lose at least 50% of the people that sign up are probably not going to attend your webinar. There's a pretty dramatic filter for the people that are going to consume the content, as opposed to the live videos, which are more readily accessible, but also not scheduled. So it's kind of random who you're getting, right? At any point in time, when you go live, not everybody's going to be available And so to me, I always have a kind of six of one, half dozen of the other feeling when it's live video as opposed to webinar. You're either going to have something that people are scheduling and bail on, or they're just not going to be available when you actually decide to produce your live video.
1: Right. And you can watch the recording as well, and that can work, and you can repurpose again. You can use that recording to repurpose it and just take the parts you like or that are most engaging. So if you're good at it, what you'll do is you'll kind of create a method where you do a lot of different live shows, find the best parts of each live show and stitch them together into a great webinar. So the webinar itself will be, you know, the killer presentation with all the great stuff. And for that, they can pay for They can pay with an email address, with a lead capture or something like that. It doesn't come free. But your average live shows are just ways to test different messages and different ideas on your audiences. And meanwhile, build the brand reputation, build your thought leadership. But of course, the biggest value from live shows is not during the live itself because a successful live show will have 50 people on it. A highly successful live show will have two hundred people on it, right? Most live shows have five. So if you're thinking of that kind of order of magnitude of people during the live, that's not worth, you know, an hour of your time plus some more time prepping.
2: I guess it depends who's on the call and how valuable of a relationship they are, but
1: and it depends who's on the call. So the webinars absolutely are worth it because you know who's on the call. Live shows you don't know. So the big value comes from repurposing those live shows. This is what I call the video first approach. Remember how we all switched to mobile first? Now we need to think video first. So if you think, okay, I want to get a message out to my audience. What video should I make? How should I get that video in front of them? How should I repurpose it? And you can actually create multiple pieces of content from that video. You can strip out the audio and make a podcast. You can take bits of it to make different teasers. Let's say, hey, let's promote a webinar, promote the same video, promote the blog post where you are purpose the recording. You can capture leads. There's so many ways you can use this video that it's just mind-boggling. So you can create lots and lots and lots of content if you think video first. And that's where the lives really multiply the, or the value is dramatically higher when you think this way.
2: If you're constantly going live, you're constantly creating videos. You're constantly creating more assets that can be repurposed. And we're going to talk more about this and about how to get your marketing team to play nice with your creative team tomorrow. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Daniel Glickman, CMO of Wave.Video for joining us. In part three of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Daniel and I are going to talk about getting marketing and creative teams to play nice together. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Daniel, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is CMOConfessor, that's C-M-O-C-O-N-F-E-S-S-O-R. Or you can visit his company's website, which is wave.video. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is MartechPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. -J Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish episodes every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning.